Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Today is May the 12th, 2021. This is episode 279. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, here's a little brief explainer for you. The Media Boat Podcast is a podcast about media. No surprise there, but specifically about movies, television, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. Still distanced for now, but things are slowly coming together, including this podcast, apparently. (laughs) Uh, Keep your eyes peeled for June, the month of June. Uh, Probably later in the month will be... Uh, you might see something, uh, a collaborative live show again, just like old times. But uh, Yes, we'll see. live show where you can tune in and chat <laughs> and watch and listen. Oh my. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but for now, we co- we're coming from you a lot, well, recorded, uh, but we have quite a show to get through. So why not we just get started? First up, we always start with movies, and we always start movies with the weekend box office numbers. This week, Wrath of Man was your number one movie with $8.3 million. What is Wrath of Man? Well, this is the Jason Statham right. film. Okay. But yeah. I have dad thoughts on it. This All right. Wrath of Man. We'll keep those for in a moment. Let's get through the top five real quick first. Okay. Your number two movie is last week's number one, Demon Slayer, the movie Mugen Train at number three, uh, with $3 million. That's at $37 million domestic. Yes, you heard that right. That may be on track to beat Raya and the Last Dragon, <laughs> but we'll get there. Is that a train pun? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, Mortal Kombat with $2.4 million. That's also at $37 million domestic. Godzilla versus Kong at $1.9 million this week with a $93 million total. Got a little froggy on my throat. Hold on, some water. And like I said last week, it's very unlikely for Godzilla versus Kong to yeah. hit that $1 million mark. Unless million. there's some type of special IMAX re-release that we don't know that's coming in the works so we can get yeah. that extra seven million somewhere who can say and then wait where's number f- oh number f- godzilla versus kong was number four yes uh number five is ryan the last dragon 1.9 million dollars this week that's sitting at 43 so yeah within a spitting distance there all these movies right next to each other except for godzilla versus kong which is very impressive uh but like you said might not quite make it to that hundred, but hey, we'll see. As for new releases this week, we do have a couple. It looks four. like oh, we have four big, big week. Uh, if you're into these very specific kinds of movies, first up, Finding You. What is Finding You? It is a drama romance film. Ooh. Okay. We also have Profile. Which is a mystery thriller. Okay. Those Who Wish Me Dead. Which is an action drama thriller. Ah. And Spiral. I know what this one is. That is is a crime horror mystery drama thriller. But specifically, isn't this the the Saw spinoff? 
Yes, that's the sauce. Okay. Yeah. And uh, those who wish me dead uh, stars Angelina Jolie, and is available via HBO Max, so you don't have to go to the theater for it. Well, that's good news. Also, good news is the first story in movie news tonight, which is about some casting news that we just found out about. So many that we've made some bits for you. Yep, it's casting season right now. Get ready to be casted in summer movie production schedules. Yep, I'm just cast casting out into the pond, see what actors can pull up. First up, Knives Out. The second Knives Out, to be specific, has gotten some casting news lately. Most notably, Dave Bautista has signed on to, I guess, star alongside the already uh, confirmed um, Daniel Craig. Assumption he is the villain, but then again, it's a mystery. So who knows? If it's anything like the first one, who we may think is villainous at first may not be by the end. Also, about like four, like about an hour ago, maybe an hour and a half ago, uh, it was also confirmed that Janelle Monet is also being cast in this movie as well. So there you go, breaking breaking casting news. Edward Norton also is joining the cast, as well as uh, no, that's it. That's all you have. Sorry, you split them into three, which caught me off guard. This is how they were um, revealed. <laughs> It's three see. different casting were phrased three different ways on different various websites. So yeah, uh, needless to say, Knives Out, the second, or as I'm going to be calling it, because there's no current title for the film, uh, is looking to be quite star-studded. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what that thing ends up being. Yes, and who done it? And who did it? Who d- who did it? Do, 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 Next do, up. The next Gareth Edwards film, True Love, is has John David Washington to star. Fresh off of Tenet, available via HBO Max currently. Speaking of Tenet, David Tennant, Hugh Laurie, Amelia Clark, Himesh Patel, and Gemma Arterton are going to be in the Sky Animation adaptation of Terry Pratchett's The Amazing Maurice and His Educated Rodents. That is a very British cast. And a very British name for a very British movie. So there you go. Then Jeff Benea has cast Alison Brie, Aubrey Plaza, Molly Shannon, Fred Armisen, and Lil Ray in an indie comedy from a script Benea co-wrote with Brie that has yet to have a title. It's a titled indie comedy. <laughs> so yeah, that's what it sounds like. Uh, yes. but yeah, that's quite a cast as well. Um, man. Movies, they're starting uh, slowly to get back to where they were once upon a time. Um, Yes, as mask mandates begin to lift in California, you will see more and more productions begin once again. So so yeah, only a matter of time. The current date is June 15th for No Masks Outdoors. So that could be the official start date for a lot of productions within that time frame to start shooting outdoors. I would imagine. And, and outdoors was... means movie lots. So yes, yes, lots movie of lots back in business. While the industry is getting ready to forget COVID or not, not necessarily forget, but like move along from advance from COVID, 
there are now scripts that are being greenlit that are about COVID, including this one with some of our uh, media boat favorites. So we've seen documentaries from Netflix, Hulu, various sources already mm. out there about early stages pandemic. I mean, Chris Paul had an early <laughs> sports pandemic uh, yeah. doc. Mm-hmm. But what about a scripted version of this? Well, it just so happens that Universal Pictures has purchased was just one of those scripts. They have purchased screen rights to The Premonition, a mm-hmm. pandemic story by Michael Lewis. Uh, he of The Big Short and Moneyball, of course, which is about several U.S. heroes who tried to sound the alarm about the dangers of underestimated COVID-19. And they've tapped media boat favorites Phil Lord and Chris Miller to direct and pr- produce through their Lord Miller production banner. While no screenwriter is currently attached to the project, the hope is that they will pin the script as well as once they, as well uh, once they, oh, Lord and Miller will pin the script as well once they complete Project Hail Mary, which they're working on right now with Ryan Gosling for MGM. Both films are adaptations of novels that were officially published just last week. Yes, they officially hit bookshelves <laughs> last week, and they're already being made into films. This is not super surprising. Uh, it's it's pretty predictable now where the industry is that book deals are usually done alongside of movie deals, so they're usually done very very early. Especially if you're someone like Michael Lewis, who has written success scripts and right. novels right. of Moneyball, The yeah. Big Short. I think he also did uh, The Blind Side. Mm-hmm. all so, highly regarded as top-rated movies and adaptations. So in that case, do you think this is interesting um, attachment here? Because Lord Miller don't exactly sound like dramatic writers in it when you think about them. You think about them as comedy. Um, are they trying to make a, um, a Adam McKay-style pivot here? Quite possibly. I mean, we have to see what happens with Project Hail Mary. Right. Because that could also very well be a dramatic turn. Yeah, the name implies some sort of big departure. So could be. Right. And it's with MGM. So this is also Phil Lord Chris Miller's departure from Sony. Yeah. Well, not official departure from Sony, but they're working with more studios than just being exclusively with Sony. Right. Although they are very, they are going to produce the upcoming Spider-Man Spider-Verse sequel for Sony. Mm, that's right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny that if they do make a dramatic dramatic pivot, it's very funny to me that they're also doing it on a book by Michael Lewis, just like Adam McKay did. Yes. But we'll see. All right. Maybe they've seen something that um, sparks their interest. Perhaps they have. Um, it is worth noting that because the book came out, um, there was a 60 Minutes interview this past Sunday. And according to the article, both Lord and Miller watched that interview <laughs> and read the book and then signed within three days. Wow. That's a fast turnaround. Yes. I mean, no. so they were sent advanced copy, I guess, or picked it up. But Makes sense, yeah. Makes sense that, hey... They saw this, they liked it, they can see creativity in it. We like them as directors. They're able to get great performances and condense complex scripts into simple yet humorous stylings. 
So yeah, I think it makes some sense and it'll be interesting. I don't know how much audiences are going to be champing on the bit to see stories about COVID though, when we're out of this. Um, but nonetheless, if it's quality, it won't matter. Uh, people will see it regardless. So we'll see. Right. And we'll see if they decide to cast a Donald Trump actor as this mm. book is supposed to be taking place within the White House. Okay. Interesting. Well, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. All right. All speculation well, speculation at this point. Yeah. Well, let's move on. You hinted at this earlier. You have a dad review. Yes. So, Sunday was Mother's Day, and as you do, you spend your time with your mother. Oh. And dad was there as well. <laughs> Package deal sometimes. Yes. For some families, it's like that. <laughs> so they decided that they wanted to go see a movie. Okay. And the only movie that was playing at the time they decided to drive by was uh, Wrath of Man. <laughs> So they walked into it completely blind, hadn't seen a preview, don't know how, it's been everywhere, but (laughs) they decided that, hey, this fits our schedule, let's watch it. If we don't like it, eh, we'll just walk out. It's like $5 movie Sunday or something. So they watched it, and apparently, dad review, he liked it, he enjoyed it, he suggested I go watch it. (laughs) Partly, I think this is because he hasn't seen a film in... (laughs) Well over a year at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Anything that doesn't immediately turn him off can be considered good. (laughs) But he does liken Wrath of Man to that of Den of Thieves and Heat. Okay. So if those films are up your alley, and I know I uh, spoke positively of Den of Thieves, look back at previous podcasts for that review, for those thoughts. (laughs) That being said, also look back at previous uh, episodes of the show and you'll know that your dad does not have a great track record with reviews on this podcast. Uh, You typically disagree with his assessments. Typically, yes. Um, Especially since he tried to tell me that this was a heist film, but Mm. from the previews, it's really more of a revenge film. Yeah. Uh, So interesting to see why he thought that (laughs) (laughs) i mean for me to get that i have to actually like sit down and watch it see it said wrath of man on the marquee but he walked in it was actually just uh it was actually just fast five (laughs) very well could be fast five (laughs) just without cars (laughs) uh but yeah um basic premise is that jason statham uh brother was killed in a bank heist as a truck driver. So Jason Statham decides to become said truck driver in order to, in the hopes that the people who killed his brother would attack his truck and he would take his revenge on them. I see. At least that's the premise I'm getting from the trailers and spots that I've seen. Mm -hmm. So not quite exactly heist movie, like Den of Thieves or Heat, but a high action, and he enjoyed it. So, right. dad review says go see it, but we <laughs> so, say yeah. caution. Yeah, we, we say maybe wait, but eh, we'll see what happens. Yes. All yeah, right. It might just be a very dad movie reminiscent of the 90s. Maybe that's, yeah, that's probably fair. 
Yeah. Speaking fair, I think it's a fair time to start talking about television. And we always start ta- talking about television by talking about the sports corner. And speaking of fair, some things just aren't fair in life. <laughs> Especially if you're a horse. So last week we reported that the Kentucky Derby was won by a horse named Medina Spirit. Well, that may not be the case in, anymore. Medina Spirit failed the post-derby drug test. It is owner Bob Buffert's Buffer's fifth horse known to have failed a drug test in just over a year. Of course, you're probably thinking, is it really the horse's fault? He didn't choose to take those drugs. This is not a BoJack Horseman situation. That horse should not be ripped of his title just because the jockey or whoever owned it fed him dope. And yet, it still gets punished. Because that's just how it is. It wasn't necessarily an injection from the article. It was a cortisone cream (laughs) that prohibits joints and muscle aches. So, essentially, it's a pain blocker. Yeah, make the horse run faster. But if the other horses don't have that too, it's an unfair advantage, you could say. I mean, they are allowed it, but the dose in which was in the drug in that they found exceeded their recommended levels. Got it. Or their allowed levels. So, uh, does the second place horse now get the get the get the win? In the records. Yes, should okay. um, they run the test again and repeat the same results, the second horse would become the winner in the record books. However, anybody who placed the bet wouldn't get the money. Right, 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 right. The bets are done. Nobody yes. will change. No money will change hands at this point. It's established. It's just that the record of who wins the Kentucky Derby will be changed. Also, this will affect the Triple Crown as Medina Spirit's probably out of out of all of it, right? Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, this will, however, affect any almanacs and any uh, time travelers <laughs> who see that Medina Spirit didn't win. It's like, all right, cool, I'm good. Yeah, I'm cool. They didn't win. And then it's like, oh, wait, Medina Spirit won? But <laughs> the book was wrong. Yeah. The book was wrong? Did they change something? Yeah. It's like, man, I'm ne- of course I'm only going to watch the result of this race. And I'm not going to wait three hours to see what happens. I'm out. Or a week later. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, since sports is happening, looks like Russell Westbrook, he of many car dealerships, uh, records his 182nd <laughs> career triple-double to surpass Oscar Robertson's previous record of 181. And, get this, he did it in 100 fewer games. So, thus, after doing this, he changed his name to <laughs> Russell History Books. <laughs> There's going to have to be a lot of uh, dealership names changed after this. Uh, Russell Record Book. <laughs> uh, what was the other one that I saw? <laughs> Uh, things like all the record books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. But well, yeah, uh, when you consider that a triple double is scoring double digits in 
points, steals, assists, or rebounds. Mm -hmm. Doing that 182 times over the course of your career is baffling, but also he's not done. Yeah, <laughs> He could easily hit 200 next year, seeing as like during several um, runs this season, he had like five triple doubles in a row. Mm -hmm. so that's impressive. He's insane. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, although just saying the word triple double just makes me want to double double. In and out. I'm just yeah. very, very hungry. Um, <laughs> so what else is happening? Let's see. The NBA season, speaking of which, ends on Sunday. So get ready for some wrap up of your favorite team's uh, play and we'll be going into the playoffs. Yes, um, but not immediately because this season they are doing the pre-playoffs. I'm going to TM that pre-playoffs. Pre-playoffs. Where the bottom, so where seeds seven and eight play seeds nine and ten in a round robin kind of uh last one in type setting where they play best of three and actually no, it's it's complicated because like if you lose like if you're in the top seed and you win you're just automatically in but if you lose you have to play another game mm, to like try okay. and break that tie so it becomes a like uh uh and uh Mark Banda's final four, last one in kind of scenario where two teams are playing for like the final spots in in the playoffs. It's mm. very complicated. We don't have time to get into it. Yeah, no. But hmm. just know that official playoffs won't start and instead it's going to be a wild card round, kind of like what MLB baseball does. Okay. Interesting. Well, we'll see. Um, as that weekend, as this weekend will wrap up normal play, and we'll see what those pre-playoffs look at look like. But of course, as basketball goes, hockey and hockey season also ends this week, ending on Friday. So get ex excited for those Stanley Cup playoffs. Asterisk on that. Okay. Technically, the season ended Monday, <laughs> but because but. several teams had to reschedule games due to positive COVID tests. They, they won't conclude the regular season until Friday. So even though most teams kind of ended their season on Monday, there are still several teams like the Kings, the Avalanche, and the Bruins, and I think St. Louis Blues, Mm -hmm. who still have games to play against each other because they had to be rescheduled from earlier in the season. Mm, I see. So the whole season's technically not over. Right. Even though it kind of is. <laughs> well, still, uh, a slow trickle of games at this point into uh, playoff season here. Basically, yeah, like a handful of like eight games left between now and Friday. Okay. If that. But of course, some franchises or franchises to be more accurately are already looking towards the season to come as the Seattle Kraken have made their final expansion pay payment and can begin signing players. Now, of course, the question is, 
does the same havoc that was caused by the Las Vegas Knights before their first season happen again here with the Kraken? Do you see a lot of poaching of the best players around the league? Yes. Yeah. There's, you can't <laughs> stop that. I just you can't stop. Yes. It. It, it's already been established because the, the yeah. Golden Knights did it. So the yeah. Kraken, so because there's precedent, the Kraken can do the exact same thing. So get ready to hate the Kraken is what you're saying? Oh, no, we love the Kraken. We just hate the Golden Knights. <laughs> Until they beat you, and then you're going to hate the Kraken. Yes, but I'm going to see people be against Seattle having a team. I Fair, think we're just yeah. against Vegas having a team because Vegas hockey in the middle of a desert. Yeah. 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 Location location is always an, a good question when it comes to sports. Yes. Um, also, I think people were very poo-pooing it because... It was Vegas's first official team. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But having recently, over the weekend, talked with someone who moved out to Vegas, everyone in that city is on board with the Golden Knights. Like, it, yeah. they've considered them their team. They're a fan. If they've never, even if they've never been into hockey before, they have like stickers and go to games <laughs> and follow it and talk about it in the yeah. office. And I mean, yeah, if you've been part of a drought, you're going to want whatever team they can give you. Like, Right, but even though like the Raiders are there, they're still considered yeah. stolen from Oakland, hmm. whereas the Golden Knights were founded in yeah. Las Vegas, so it's yeah. their team. Well, speaking of stolen from Oakland, <laughs> so apparently there are rumors rumbling about that the Oakland Athletics will be starting to explore the possibility of relocating from Oakland as well. Of course, this is notable considering they're having a stellar season right now. Yeah. at the top of the division um so is it just what's going on in oakland is it just that they feel like that the team is worth a more uh prestigious place to play so when the uh 49ers moved out of Candlestick park it's because mm -hmm. the city didn't want to pay for a new team or for mm -hmm. a new stadium yeah when the golden State Warriors moved across the bay from Oakland uh, to, I think, officially San Francisco yeah. area. They got a new arena with it because the city of Oakland didn't want to pay for a new arena. Hmm. Same thing is happening here, got where it. the Oakland A's are currently in one of the oldest buildings, ballparks in, in the U.S., it's still made of concrete. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It'll stand forever. But <laughs> it does have an older feel to it. Right. So not the city has basically told the athletics that they are not looking or willing to build a new stadium for them. Mm -hmm. So the owners have put out an exploratory committee to look at the options they have about relocate the po about the possibility of relocating the team. Okay, well, where do you think they go? Do you think we're possibly looking down the barrel at the Las Vegas Athletics? <laughs> it would not surprise me. <laughs> Although the Las Vegas A's could just become the Aces. Ooh, that's good. That's real good. 
or you just keep them as the A's, but yeah, but literally the they're aces. the aces. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it could happen. Uh, where else do you think they could go? Who, where uh, is in dire need of a baseball team that does not have one or hasn't had one in a while? Uh, San Diego. They have the Padres. Yeah, but they're not a real baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> you tell that to. What's his name? Tatis Jr. Tatis yeah, Jr. you mean injured Tatis? <laughs> <laughs> Just because he's riding a bench does not mean he's offended. <laughs> not offended. Uh, all right, let's move on to football, more specifically the NFL, as the schedule is out. So people uh, now know when who is playing what. So by the time you're listening to this, the schedule is out. Yeah. As of us recording right now, we still have to wait about 20 minutes. Well, okay. Here's what we know early. Um, first up, the Cowboys and Tampa Bay will be on Thursday, September 9th. That and will then, be the official opening day of football. Yep. And then Bears and Rams for that night for Sunday night football. With Raiders and Ravens to open Monday night football. This will mark the first time fans will be allowed to into both the Rams and the Raiders' new stadiums. Um, because obviously there were protocols in place last year uh, and SoFi had not been opened before that for the Rams. Um, so now that it finally is, fans can go. Yeah, so SoFi Stadium was supposed to open the year prior, right. but because LA had a series of rain that basically ended a drought in California, <laughs> but it softened the soil, so they had to delay a lot right. of the construction by a year. So, yeah, they ended up both opening at the exact same time. However, COVID happened, and, and so then, no fans were allowed. So now, finally, the uh, Taylor Swift curse is gone. <laughs> uh, she never got to perform there, but the Rams continue to, and fans will be able to enjoy it. Um, then we also have one little last bit about football here. If you're curious about whether they're going to still do the London games, guess what? They will. London will get two NFL games. First, the Jets and the Falcons on October 10th, and the Dolphins at the Jaguars on October 17th. Clearly, we're sending our best over the seas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, insert joke here is, I think, the, the, the thing here. But... And the Falcons are fine. <laughs> yeah, the Falcons are fine. But the Jets have a new quarterback in Mac Jones. Yet again. And the Jaguars have our number one pick. Yeah. Right. In uh, Mr. Co- Mr. College Mr. Crypto. COVID. Yeah. Mr. Crypto now. <laughs> COVID Crypto himself. COVID Crypto. Um, but also the Dolphins have second year quarterback. Tua Tuna Tagovailoa. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, so sports, some endings, some beginning, but uh, baseball continuing forever. Um, and yeah, yeah, whatever you want, sports got it this week. Anything else in sports happening? Uh, just by the time you're listening to this podcast, the schedule will be out. So right. you can, I can do I can what happen. I always do when the schedule comes out. Yes. Trying to see if I can visit every stadium <laughs> in a season. Well, we'll see. The answer is probably not this time. But well, no, it's not this time. But I like to map out if it's possible. If it's possible. Yes. All right. 
Okay, well, let's move on out of sports and into proper television news. And the first one, man, was the story of the week. Yeah. Uh, so the Golden Globes, always a source of controversy, uh, whether it be, hey, they don't really count, or hey, who exactly is the foreign press, or why is Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosting again this year? Whatever the controversy, they're always on everybody's mind around this time of year. But, but the one thing they year, could all agree about is that everyone gets drunk at the Golden Globes. <laughs> yes, everybody gets drunk. And it's always aired on NBC. Well, that's being called into question this year. Capping months of intensifying controversy sparked by an LA Times investigation into the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, NBC said Monday that it will not air the Golden Globes on their network in 2022. The HFPA has been struggling to contain a mounting crisis since publication of the LA Times investigation that shed light on a range of alleged ethical and financial improprieties and revealed that the organization has no black members. The HFPA had announced a series of sweeping reforms last week, including increasing its historically insular membership ranks by 50% over the next 18 months with a focus on recruiting black members. But those proposals did little to quell the controversy, with a number of Hollywood's biggest power players, including Netflix, Amazon Studios, Warner Brothers, and HBO, saying in recent days that they would not work with the HFPA until more meaningful changes were enacted. Actors have even gotten in the backlash, with Tom Cruise sending back his three Golden Globes. Um, sure, because Tom Cruise doesn't already, he doesn't need them. He's got a bunch of other trophies in that room, I'm sure. He's just like, eh, these things look weird anyways on my shelf. I'll send them back. Um, so yeah, Gold Globes uh, getting rightfully smacked in the face, <laughs> it sounds like. Uh, I mean, yeah, th this is a gut punch because currently they're not airing anywhere. There's yeah, no don't. plans to air them anywhere. Right, and if you're not airing them, no one's going to care. Mm -hmm. Uh, NBC did say that they would revisit for a 2023 broadcast, mm -hmm. but only if stuff improved. Right. I mean, they said 18 months, but I mean, honestly, it's something that could be happening within a year to increase membership. It's not that hard to yeah. try and find people to become a member. Right. But all this really means is for now mm -hmm. there is in effect no golden globes happening next year if they do happen it'll be a press release that's kind of where we're at or maybe a streaming presentation if they can put up put together some sort of streaming partner for that ultimately though not being on tv is going to make it way harder for them to convince anybody to care i mean the nominations are streamed mm -hmm. um when when they come out just like the academy yeah. awards are streamed but have you or anybody that you know ever tuned in for those streams no because they're <laughs> on at like 6 a.m yes. i'm asleep at that time no one cares unless you're nominated or unless you're going to be nominated like or if you live on, on the east coast or if you live on the east coast but more specifically no one cares if they stream it is what i'm saying mm -hmm. and so yeah it's going to be an uphill battle for them to right their wrongs if anybody's going to care about the Golden Globes ever again. And honestly, if this was it, no big loss. I mean, it did spark, or it did start the award season. Yeah. 
but only for the TV award season, because as we all know, the Gotham Independent Spirit Awards are the true <laughs> opening of the award season. Oh, we're such dorks. Okay, moving on <laughs> to our second story here. Speaking of things pulled from television, uh, hey, say goodbye to Ellen DeGeneres. Well, Bye-bye. not quite yet. Wait, Soon. I thought we already did that. Oh, we already did that in like a more vague sense, but now a more literal way. The Ellen DeGeneres Show, aka Ellen, will officially end in 2022, meaning it will have run for 19 seasons by the time that it ends. The show has been a major fixture of talk show of the talk show landscape and inspired a number of spin-offs, including Ellen's Game of Games, The Masked Dancer, Family Game Fight, and Ellen's Greatest Night of Giveaways. Recently, the show and host have come under fire amid allegations of racist behavior on the show and crew members' pay reduction during the pandemic. Uh, Ellen did a family game night. Game night. Uh, uh, game family fight. game fight would be way better. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've reported on some of those allegations previously on this podcast. Ellen did address those allegations, and three top producers were fired. In the interview, Ellen said that she had planned to stop after 16 seasons, but the network wanted three more years and says that that was the plan all along. Hmm, I... I'm a little hesitant to take her word for this, but that being said, it has run its course. It's been on for a long time. Two decades is a long time for a show to run. Uh, And Ellen maybe would do well for herself if she maybe avoided uh, having the public eye on her for a little bit of time. Yeah, uh, it was around 2017 when their contract was up for renewal that she really only wanted to do one more year, a farewell season. But because NBC and networks wanted to secure that time slot for a number of years, they wanted four years and compromised on three. But Ellen was pretty much done with the show like as of 2017. Right, I remember there being a conversation about her being like, yeah, I'm pretty much done. Um, Yeah, but that being said, like I said, this is probably the time to go, considering everything, all of this. And so, yeah, it makes sense for this to be it. I mean, you're not necessarily going out on top here like <laughs> Jay Leno was. No, but was was he? <laughs> was he, though? I mean, anyway. the first time he was the late night king. <laughs> first time. Yes. First well, time. We have to say the first time now. Yeah, the first time. Anyway. One last bit of television news. I don't even have a, a title for this because I didn't realize it was two separate story or third a third separate story. Yeah. But I guess you just needed to talk about this so badly. Oh, I needed to talk about this because it is childhood nostalgia of the yeah. wazoo. Millennials, strap in because we got one for you. Legends of the Hidden Temple. Excited yes, yet? That <laughs> Legends of the Hidden Temple. CW, the CW, has ordered the show's revival. But this time aimed with adults participating. Iconic elements from the original series, including Olmec, The Moat Crossing, Steps of Knowledge, Temple Run, and original team names, looking at you, Blue Barracudas, will return. <laughs> the show won't be in the safety of a studio this time. No, no, they got bigger plans. A mysterious jungle outdoors with tougher challenges and bigger prizes. Signups for casting are happening right now so get on it if you're interested in that kind of thing i imagine you're going to see a lot of 30 somethings very excited uh to go into the 
weird like weird part where they have to slog through some shit to get some sort of treasure chest monkey and like spin it around three times. Yes, and a lot of people having to act excited that they got chosen as the purple parrots. There's only one, yes, the purple parrots. There's only one way that, that this is something that I care about. And the answer is all the prizes have to be exactly the same as they were in 1995. A Zenith TV? Somebody, yes, I want somebody to get a TV, like a, a VCR. I want somebody to win a Schwinn bike. No, I want you somebody need to win five hundred dollars spending cash to Toys R Us. <laughs> yes, five hundred dollars spending cash to Toys R Us. Uh, what else? What else? Um, uh, a mountain bike. An entire set of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh wait, no, that's uh, that's uh, Carmen San Diego. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, a Nintendo sixty four. You have to win a Nintendo sixty four. Yes. Um, anyway. Yeah, no, this is a fun idea. A lot of people love this. Um, and it's slots right next to something like a wipeout in terms of watching adults make fools of themselves. So it works on multiple levels. Right. And the sets are big enough that because wipeout's been such a success, I mean, physical comedy right. and people, people love it has always been a success. People love watching that shit. And so, yes. yeah. And you throw in a little bit of trivia here, and then you add physical challenges. <laughs> it's a recipe for Disaster. easy one-hour yes. entertainment. Also entertainment. Yes. Well, we'll see that when it premieres at some point. Who um, knows? You may even see us on it when it premieres. No, no, no. not me. Oh, not come me. On. Just you. Just you. You do it with Kristen. Have fun. Right. Anyway, no, you do it with Ty, actually. That'd be yes. fun to watch. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about something else, why don't we? Let's move on into just a quick television thought. I watched something this week. Yes. You watched Girls Forever. No. No? No. But I watched Girls 5 Eva. Is this like a sequel? All right. So this is a Peacock series that has the premise of a girl group a like kind of like the spice girls or maybe like a proto pussycat dolls it's kind of unclear what exactly they're pu pulling from basically a non-british version of like the spice girls in the 90s have a bunch of hits but then disappear and you're probably thinking well in 2021 where are they now well that show this show tackles that exact question what has happened to the people who were part of the big successful girl group in the 90s uh, well, the answer is they've all gone their separate ways and become adults in their 40s and have become different people than they used to. But what if they were given the opportunity to have that dream back? And that's the premise of Girls 5 Eva. So um, quick explainer here. The one thing you need to know going into this is that this is a Tina Fey, Robert Carlock joint. So... Think 30 Rock, think... Uh, well, why didn't you Kimmy say Schmidt. that? I'm hooked. Well, that's the thing, is that's either going to be a green or a red flag, depending on who you are. And that's because immediately from the first five minutes of the show, you are assaulted with jokes, just like a shotgun barrage of jokes, because that's their style. Almost every line of dialogue has to be a joke, and that's just the way these shows are built. Though what I'm realizing as we get deeper into the Tina Fey, Robert Carlock style of sitcom is that maybe that doesn't work as well anymore. I don't know if that just the onslaught of jokes 
works as well as it did back when 30 Rock was new and novel. Um, and a lot of why 30 Rock was good was because it had a unique cast that made those jokes work. And what, like as Kimmy Schmidt progressed, it became less and less interesting. And immediately from the first episode of this, I'm already seeing some of the worst tendencies of Kimmy Schmidt come to light. And it's only the pilot. Oh, um, no. Yeah. That being said, the entirety of the first season is available at once. So that way, if you are going to dip your toes into the pool, you can just binge it all and get it over with. Um, but will you want to is kind of the better question. And I'm probably not going to bother. Um, the pilot has moments um, with a shotgun, with a shotgun blast of anything. Some are going to hit and some are not. So the ones that did hit, I enjoyed, but there were a lot of jokes that didn't. And uh, there were some like questionable choices that they made with some of the characters' backgrounds. Um, the music producer that they work with has is very quick to point out that he's been through sensitivity training and every joke about him is about things that he can't do anymore. You get, the, you get what mm. I'm saying. And so it's like, all right, yes, we get it. We get it. It's 2021, we understand. Um, however, Sarah Bareilles is the star of this. <laughs> Wait, did she write someone a love song to get uh, this role? To get this part? No. Uh, and she is the most charming part of it. I think I like her and I wish that she was a better show, but you know, there's only so much that Sarah Bareilles can do. Also good to see Busy Phillips getting a paycheck. Uh, but other than that, Wait, yeah. That Busy Phillips? <laughs> that Busy Phillips. Oh. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting concept that I just wish was not hampered by the baggage of being a Tina Fey production is kind of where I'm at. And it doesn't, yeah, it just didn't make me want to watch more of it. They seem to invest in a big budget in it though, as the preview that they show to get you to watch the rest of the season shows a bunch of guest stars, including wildly all over the place, including Stephen Colbert. Uh, so yeah, they're really swinging for the fences with this one. I don't think it works. Uh, but your mileage may vary. So if you're ready, rooting and hollering for another uh, rapid fire joke machine, uh, a la Kimmy Schmidt, this might be this might work for you. I was not as enthralled. So yeah, that's Girls Five Eva, first season screaming on Peacock right now. So all okay. ten episodes on Peacock. Uh, probably I didn't check the number. I bailed. On I assume it's ten because the, uh, the <laughs> most streaming ones are ten. Now you say you also watched some television. Yes, uh, this premiered on Friday. Almost flew right by me, but because I watched a lot of commercials and mm -hmm. because the shows I watch are specifically targeted for this kind of show, <laughs> it caught my eye. I was like, oh yeah, I should this definitely exists. watch that. I like yes. that. So Mythic Quest, Apple TV, Mythic Quest, season two. First two episodes are out right now. I didn't realize that they even added a bonus 11th episode past the pandemic special that they did or the work from home special that they did. Uh, so that was also a pleasant treat to see as well. Yeah. So you all talked, those episodes. So you talked about season one about this a few weeks ago. Uh, you kind of came in late to this show caught up on it and had a good time with it. This is the game development one. This is one of the, where it takes place in a game company. 
Correct. Uh, created by It's Always a Sunny in Philadelphia, Charlie Day and mm-hmm. Rob McElhaney, starring Ashley Birch, who takes a more starring role in this <laughs> that season one. I think they've realized that she is a big grab for them. Mm-hmm. People will gravitate to her and her character. Uh, but it pretty much picks up where season one left off and kind of follows the same tropes as season as season one, where everyone has their roles. You're assumed it's assumed that you're going from season one straight to season two, and it just rolls with the punches. The jokes are amped up um, just a but so everything that you liked from the first season, they're doubling down on that in the second season, which can be good or bad depending on which way you lean on that. Uh, but currently has a hundred percent fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, okay. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, how good can it really be? Like, how much can they actually improve from the first season? Because you think, yeah, it's a workplace comedy. Mm-hmm. There's only so much you can actually do with it. And in a sense, that's true. There is only so much you can do with it. But it does it so well and targeted so perfectly at gaming geek culture, kind of yeah. like how the IT crowd did it. Mm-hmm. It crowd, IT crowd, however you want to say it. Yeah, we- that it hits all the right notes for me to continue enjoying this. I know that you had your wary... Um, I had my reservations. I think one, because of the creators. I'm not an always sunny guy. Yes. And then two, because... Anything that's, I think, tried to be about video game and video game culture has just been super cringy in the past. But you're not the first person to tell me that this does the industry, like, pretty well. Like, that, that this they understand it and are, yeah, talking with more knowledge. Uh, so, yeah, I still have yet to check it out. But I, I may I may check it out now that there's, there's a second season of it. Yeah, there's a second season. It will premiere on a weekly basis. So... You can't just binge watch all of it. It's every <laughs> Friday. I was a little bummed about that, but yeah, but it eh. may work to its favor. Maybe more fun that way. Yeah, more fun that way. But uh, first two episodes are currently out for the new season. I enjoyed it. I can kind of see the kind of elements that they want to play with, especially having two alpha heads. As that's where the series ended at the end of season one, mm-hmm. and the clashing of ideas. And creative versus art versus money is always a very um, apropos way of approaching comedy. Yeah. It's, it makes it easier. Yeah. But it also makes it more enjoyable because you have two distinct personalities butting mm-hmm. heads against each other. Yeah. Always a good, always a good way to, for, for some good laughs. Yep. All uh, right. Cool. Yep. I enjoyed season one. I'm enjoying season two. And we'll see how well the rest of the season plays out. Sure will. But for now, let's move on from television thoughts and let's talk about cancellations and renewals. Yes. And before we begin here, I can officially cancel something off my watch list. Okay. I have come. I've housed it. You've done. You're done with house. I did it. You did all of house. I watched all of house from Peacock. Thank you, Peacock. <laughs> but Thank yes, all eight uh, seasons, all two hundred and forty something episodes. What? 
done so so now i need something new to watch <laughs> what's yeah what's next then what's on the what's on the itinerary uh not sure quite yet there's some apple like mini doc stuff from last year that seems interesting some sports yeah. docs about um some athletes so watch that but yeah. not quite sure where to go for the next binge watching series yet i got mine um i'm doing king of the hill Ooh. I had never watched King of the Hill. I skipped it completely when it was first oh, running. So good. And I didn't, like when I was a kid, I guess I didn't think it was as funny as The Simpsons, so I didn't care. And then now I'm coming back to it. And I'm like, actually, this is pretty great. So I'm in uh, season two right now. I'm uh, getting through it. I got a lot to go. Uh, I think end of season two is like where it kind of starts to get off the rails a bit. <laughs> Okay. But it's a great tongue-in-cheek Mike Judge comedy. Yeah. So, so yeah, I got my work cut out for that. But let's talk about things that are currently airing and whether or not they're going to continue airing or not. Why don't we? Yes. AKA cancellations and renewals. <laughs> First up, PBS is bringing back Sandition. Sanditon? Sanditon. Sandition. Sandition. I don't know what this is. For a third season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's Sandition. <laughs> <laughs> NBC has canceled a little late with Lily Singh after two sec after two seconds. <laughs> There's two seasons. I'm wow. sorry. I'm sorry, Lily. I meant seconds. No, I <laughs> you did it again. Did it again. Absentia canceled after three seasons on Prime Video. Hallmark has renewed Wind Calls the Heart for a ninth season. So someone's watching someone's that. Watching this. ABC renews Grey's Anatomy for a 18th season. I thought this was it. I thought they said it was done. What happened to the final season? Yeah. What happened to the farewells and goodbyes? I guess they're not, they're not, it's never goodbye. <laughs> it's never really goodbye. Uh, ABC's also renewed Station 19 for a fifth season. Out of absolutely nowhere fox has chosen to renew call me cat for a second season why i I guess people are watching it i don't know why and yet fox has canceled prodigal son after a second season uh that yeah i could see that one i mean i thought that was only gonna last a season i think that may be a covid cut maybe they just couldn't they just couldn't make it they were like eh we're good. NBC has renewed soap opera Days of Our Lives for an unprecedented 58th season. Yes, you heard me right. 58. Oh, and you thought Grey's Anatomy had 18 was a lot. <laughs> soap operas are different. And NBC has announced that the sixth season of This Is Us will be its last. Uh, currently the fifth season, ending the fifth season, which means in the fall premieres, when sixth season comes around, it will be its finale. They kind of already told us this three years ago when they renewed it for six seasons. Yeah. That it would kind of be their That'd last. Be but this yeah. just the definitive, it's ending. Prepare your tissues. <laughs> Prepare your tissues. Speaking of tissues, let's talk about a couple, few deaths this week. Just a few. First up, Paul Van Doren, age 90. Not related to media as usual, uh, but 
co-founder of Vans, the shoes. Um, so yeah. yeah a, and uh, Vans Warped Tour. Well, yeah, that goes without saying. We also I have Norman Lloyd. Met at some point. You met this dude? I feel like I did because my dad had met him. Mm. So I feel like I had met him. That makes sense. Norman Lloyd, age 106. Yes, 106. Made it past the big 100. Actor was in St. Elsewhere, Saboteur, director uh, for some episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents back in the day. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, Colt Brennan, age 37. That's young. Football player, played for the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors and the Washington football team. His records in college ball, NCAA football, number nine in career passing yards, over 14,000. Number four in career passing touchdowns, 131 touchdowns over 38 games. And number one for 100 for 400 yard games, 20 total. That's quite a career. Uh, he was a Heisman Trophy finalist in 2006. Uh, when he graduated in 2007, he had all number one records in NCAA. Wow. Four yards, touchdown, uh, passing, total yards, total offense. He had all the records, and only recently had they been broken by the likes of Joe Burrow, yeah. Baker Mayfield, and uh, Chase, no, not Chase Daniels, the other one um, from Texas, Case Keenum. So yeah, like usually when we say this guy had all of the records, we don't mean that literally, but in this case we do. Okay, so you do. Yes, he, he literally had, all, had the all the records when he grabbed he all the records. Uh, yeah. Oddly enough, he was also a modern day graduate. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and sat behind media boat uh, personality, Mark Sanchez. Right. I was going to say, he would have probably been, I probably saw him play a lot because I was seeing a lot of football games against modern day at mission at the time. So I probably saw this guy play. Yeah, probably. That um, makes sense. He sat behind him until his senior year, um, mm-hmm. which got him the ride to, uh, well, to Colorado and then Saddleback and then Hawaii, where he broke all the records and kind of established dominance there. Yeah. Well, it will be missed. That's young. 37 is 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 a real young age. Yeah. So. All right. Well, let's move over to something a little happier, which of course is music. And I toss this over to you. All right. And we'll, we always start music with the billboard. And we start the billboard with the hot 100. Woo. And we start the hottest 100 with a repeat. That's right. You can stop crying and save your tears because The Weeknd and Ariana Grande are back on top again with Save Your Tears. (laughs) Uh, At number two, we have Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic. At three, Peaches by Justin Bieber featuring Daniel Caesar and Gideon. Moving up to number four, Levitating by Dua Lipa featuring the baby and rounding out your top five kiss me more by doja cat featuring SZA. 
Yeah, that's the sole new entry this week. Everything else just stayed where they were, levitating, moved up, and then yeah, Kiss Me More is your new new charter. Um, as for your albums chart, Billboard 200, DJ Khaled is happy because he <laughs> finally got his number one hit. He got another one. Another one. With Khaled Khaled by DJ Khaled. Uh, at number two, we have A Gangsta's Pain by Moneybag Yo. Moneybag Yo. At three, Danger Rest, colon, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Will not die. At four, Justice by Justin Bieber. And rounding out your top five, Young Stoner Life, colon, Slime Language 2 by Young Thug and various artists. I'm glad to see various artists holding on to that top five spot. I love to see various artists succeed. <laughs> Media both favorite various artists. Yep. Um, otherwise, not too much happening in the Billboard this week. Nothing, no big surprises, but Hank DJ Khaled got his number one. No. All right. Uh, so let's get into some music news, shall we? And not yet. We haven't done new releases yes what am i thinking yeah <laughs> i know what i'm thinking but let's get into some new releases shall we why don't we uh we start with cake pop 2 by cake pop if you don't know what cake pop is just real quick um this is half of 100 gex um dylan brady this is his one of his projects Okay. Um, we also have The Off Season by J. Cole. Yes, that J. Cole? Yeah. Still making music? Yeah, he's around. We also have Blood by Juliana Hatfield. Detritus by Sarah Neufeld. Detritus? 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 Detritus. Okay. <laughs> uh, Delta Cream by the Black Keys. Yes, Delicious. those Black Keys. Yep. And lastly, Daddy's Home by St. Vincent. Media yeah. book favorite, St. Vincent. So, yeah, something for everybody this week. Yep. All right. So, now we can get into some music news. Yes. Oh, is this not? <laughs> oh, no. Stand by for technical difficulties. No, Stand by for technical difficulties because I apparently, I don't know what month we're in anymore. <laughs> it's May. All right, it's May. I thought it was February. All right. <laughs> it is definitely not February. No, it's not. <laughs> All right, so um, it's May. It's May. It's going to be. Well, it already happened. <laughs> and as with the month of May comes the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, not nominees, but inductees. Yes. Yes. As the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has pulled the curtains back and have formally announced who the class of 2021 will be. Yeah. Get ready for some big names. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to continue the joke of, yes, that person, because, hey, right. You've heard these people. You can do that to all of these people. Right, including uh, the inductees of Jay-Z, the Go-Go's, 
Tina Turner, Todd Rundgren, Carol King, and the Foo Fighters have all been invited to make the trip to Cleveland this October. Notably, the hall will also welcome several other artists that did not appear on the general ballot this year, but are being inducted into other categories, including two artists that have been repeatedly nominated in the past without being voted in, that being of Kraftwerk and LL Cool J. Among the main crop of performers inductees, women were voted into three of six slots. Representation like that's likely to be welcomed after years of complaints that Rock's female pioneers have gone unrepresented. And two out of the six are Black artists. So congratulations uh, to the class of 2021. Yeah. Those are some big names. I think this is solid. This is a solid year. This makes Dave Grohl a two-time inductee, as he's already in this Hall of Fame as a member of Nirvana. Fun fact. Um, So, I guess, good for Dave Grohl. (laughs) I mean, when we did the uh, nominees list, we kind of expected this to happen. Because, as you said, when you write the song ever long, (laughs) you're kind of automatically going to be there. That's just going to be. And yeah, Jay-Z has had the career. I think that he's earned it. and yeah, including the Go-Go's and Tina Turner in here and Carol King. I mean, how is Carol King not already in the Rock of uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Was she not in there for songwriter at least? Maybe. I would hope. You would think, right? Like just stone cold classics throughout mm-hmm. her career. Um, so yeah, just some, some real solid choices this year. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what they chose. Right. Also, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is kind of morphed in, eh, not necessarily recent years, but over time into just general... Yeah, music exactly. hall of fame. I think rock and roll they're using it as popular music is kind of like stand-in because it's yes. not just rock artists, clearly. Right. So yeah, good for them. Yeah. Um kind of makes me want to make a trip out to Cleveland. Although someday. Cleveland? I've, I've always wanted to know I always wanted to go just to see, just to see the Hall of Fame and the museum and shit. I the rest of Cleveland, I don't know, bonus, but that specifically. Like someday. Baker Mayfield and LeBron. Sure. Yeah. I guess they they were there too. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, uh, we have a follow-up story. Yes. So remember uh, the Small Business Administration and the Save Our Stages? Yes. Act? I sure do. Well, they, they've submitted 11,500 applications for federal aid from independent venues and theaters last week, and they expect to begin sending out payments next week. Nice. Uh, According to a statement uh, from an SBA, a Small Business Association rep, the total is up approximately 1,200 from last week. Uh, Indie venues have been struggling to keep afloat since the pandemic began more than 14 months ago. And although the $16 billion Save Our Stages Act was passed into law on December 27th, they have received no aid thus far due to problems with the Small Business Association website 
and other complications. Quote, is expected save our stages uh, SVOG priority one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that stands for. <laughs> Uh, awards uh, will begin next week <laughs> and per the statute continue for 14 days. Following them, the SBA will progress onto the processing priority two awards per funds of availability, which by that estimate, priority two would begin receiving funds about mid-June with priority three in late June or July. And those priorities are based on a percentage of revenue loss. So, yeah, um, ultimately, this is good news. The places that have been waiting for these payments are probably very excited to get them. This is hopefully going to get a lot of smaller venues that were on the brink of shutting down um, to be able to reopen just in time for shows to start happening again. The downside here is because of how long this process took is that some venues have already closed their doors. And so there's probably not a whole lot of avenues for places who have already kicked it to get back into the game. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see who is affected by this, who actually gets the payments, who benefits from it the most. Um, but yeah, it was a rough time out there for these venues. So to see any sort of recovery is going to be nothing short of a miracle. And um, I'm looking forward to some of those places that we're really hard on to get back up. Yeah, um, saving stages and local venues is always a good thing. It promotes local artists, yeah, first for and sure. foremost. Smaller artists. New music and yeah. new sound. Yeah, because not everybody can go straight to playing the big places. Uh, mm -hmm. That's not how it works. You need to start small, start local, and local small places are the ones that were the hardest. So, yeah, I. this is all hoping that this leads to a Brand new concert scene once we start having concerts again. Yep. Um, hopefully, I mean, mid-June, hopefully going to some concerts. I think I've already purchased tickets for next year. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Um, that's because assuming that things will be better next year, obviously. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. Anyway. Anyways, uh, you don't have it here. Um, it's kind of going to be slipped under the radar. But uh, real quickly, uh, remember Pop Smoke? Yeah. Former rapper Pop Smoke. The late Pop Smoke. The late Pop, Pop, Pop Smoke, Smoke. yes. Uh, well, they have captured his uh, murderer. Oh. 15-year-old. They have not released the name because Thanks. that is technically a minor. Right. But... Not according technically, the, that is a minor. Yes, but <laughs> according to the detectives uh, who's tracked him down, and they have charged a 15-year-old with the murder of Pop Smoke, who uh, allegedly murdered him for his watch, Ooh. and only caught him because the watch was recently found, um, sold for $2,000. Wow, okay. Yikes. So that's the downer follow-up story. Yeah, well, that was depressing. <laughs> but I mean, I guess, I guess that does allow some justice and for his family, which I'm sure are still mourning. Um, but yeah, um, good little news tidbit there. Yeah, I've seen that pop up in my news feed. I'm like, oh, I okay, but I thought that he 
died early, which is why I was like, wait, did he die this week? But no, it was yeah. he died in February, which is why I was had the mindset of February earlier. But let's me take my mindset from back from February and go back to 2017. What? Yes. <laughs> Where Marfa entered our lexicon. Okay. Why you said that name, Marfa? Who did this bit last week? It doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. Well, Marfa. <laughs> it's a place hey, in Texas. Marfa. Marfa is a place in Texas. <laughs> anyway. You know what else is a place in Texas? Midland. And I like that album more than I liked this. Oh, no! I came into this hoping that you liked it. All right. So let's talk about, explain to the audience what we're talking about. So we're talking about the Marfa Tapes, uh, which is a collaboration between Jack Ingram, Miranda Lambert, and John Randall. Yes. So keynote here is that they've collaborated before. Uh, this is not just three random country artists deciding to make a record together. This actually came out of existing songwriting trips that they would already take to get some songs down on paper and just hang out and, and relax in Marfa, Texas. They decided on this most recent one, though, hey, why don't we record this? And they ended up listening back to these recordings and said, we could just put this out as an album. So another notable thing about it is that at least two of these songs will sound familiar to you if you're a Miranda Lambert fan. And that's because they exist on two of her records. Um, the song, oh, one of the songs, Tin Man, is on her double album. Mm -hmm. uh, and then one of the other ones is on her most recent album, Wildcard. Um, but these are not studio versions of these songs. Going into this, you know that this is basically a phone recording, the equivalent of musicians around a campfire playing their acoustic guitar. And that's it. Yeah, so, uh, it's yeah. it's very stripped down. It's very, very acoustic. Yeah. And at several points, they clearly mess up or... Yes, yeah, yeah. Intentionally, not intentionally There's improvisation. There's like, there's writing lines on the spot. There's, which is, I guess, improvisations. Uh, mm -hmm. But like, there's also like, they're having fun. They're making jokes with each other. You get to hear some feedback after songs end about whether they thought they did a good job or not. Um, what it all creates, at least for me, is this vibe of being there with them around that campfire in the outdoors, in the wilderness, with like sounds of nature around you. You feel like you're sitting right there and you get to be part of this intimate songwriting moment that usually people are not invited to. And I think that's really cool, especially for an artist like Miranda Lambert who hasn't done anything like this before. When she puts out music, it's very studio pristine. We don't, like, we're not living in the age of the Unplugged concert on MTV anymore. We don't get a lot of these moments with big arena size artists. And so to see Miranda and her collaborators collaborate in real time in such an intimate environment is really cool. And I actually really enjoyed this. And it doesn't hurt that the songs are all great. There's some really great country songs here. And they're all very country. They're very, like, traditional in sound and structure. You can tell that these all three of these writers are indebted to making country music that sounds like country music. Um, 
yeah, I had, I had a great time with this. This is one of my favorites of the year so far. I mean, yeah, if you were from that angle. <laughs> well, what other angle is there? Like, what were you expect? I guess if you were expecting something different. I was expecting clean, polished, unheard no, works. That's not what this is, though. Yeah. See, I almost, I, I regret now not telling you what this is was last week. Because when we talked about it, I almost told you what it was because I wanted to give you context about what it was. But I thought, surely he knows what it is. And so I didn't say anything. Because I've actually, I had already heard a couple of singles from it before the album was released. And I, so I knew going in what to expect. So yeah, I didn't know, what to, not know. What, to, what to expect here. Okay. It was, oh, it's very acoustic. It's very uh, stripped down. They're just mm-hmm. jamming, which yeah. yeah. It's fine. Yeah. But it's not like a, as you put, polished, produced um, work works that they're putting out. Yeah. They're, it's not trying to be. They're tapes. It was it's never intended. Yeah. yeah. These were not ever intended to even be released until they decided to. So. Yeah. So with context, <laughs> yes. It works. Without context, you're <laughs> lost. I mean, then again, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, you're not know what you're getting into, I guess. I think that this is not something that every Miranda Lambert fan is going to know about or immediately glom onto. Um, but if you're a fan of your her work and the other and the other collaborators who I'm not as familiar with, but if you're a fan of any of them and you want to get a peek into the songwriting process, this is for you. That's what I'll say. And sometimes now, it's not for me, but yeah, other times it's, for, it's you. for you. Yeah. What was not for me, but might be for you or might be for somebody, is the tonal opposite of the Marva tapes, which is the other record we both listened to. <laughs> so you did not like Van Weezer. I also didn't like the last Weezer record that we talked about. Right. So I wasn't super surprised. No. Um, if we take that time machine and keep going backwards, I probably <laughs> yes. would have loved this album. <laughs> well, yeah, here's the thing. Weezer's still Weezer. And yes. that is both a good thing and a bad thing, depending on who you are. If you're expecting this to be return to form, like Blue Album style, Pinkerton style Weezer, you will be disappointed. This is not that. This is modern Weezer. But this is modern homage. Yeah, but with the added layer of yes, of they got a weird bug in them and they said, hey, if we're going to go and do a big tour that was canceled last year, but is back on, we should have tour ready songs. And this is what that is. This is basically Weezer being like every song on this, well, almost has to be a big arena filling guitar opera. And we cannot relent from this goal. And that's what this is. That's what this is. It's called Van Weezer for a reason. It is their metal record, more or less. I say more or less because they don't quite commit enough. Like, yes, there are metal riffs. One song is basically just the Crazy Train riff. Yes, it is. And it's <laughs> wild to me that they just they just do it. It's like it's not, not even pretending to not be the crazy train riff. It just is the crazy train riff. 
I don't know, but that's what this is. Um, the thing is, is that there's still just the production on this thing and the lyrics here are just so bottom tier Weezer still. It's like they don't realize that if they just spent a little bit more time on these things, then maybe people would be talking about it in a little better light. But as it is, it's another record to put in the slowly rising stack of Weezer records that people are just going to look at and be disappointed that it doesn't sound like they used to. So, like I said, high school, they would have liked this record. Sure. Um, as because I high said, school, you probably Justice album from Justin yeah. Bieber. If it's your first introduction to Weezer and all you've heard is like your parents rock and roll. <laughs> well, not even your parents rock and roll at this point, yeah. but your grandparents rock and roll at this point. <laughs> and this is your first introduction to Weezer. It might hit some chords in you. It might be fine. You yeah. might find some of the lyrics like hitting like, oh, this is exactly what I'm feeling as a teenager finding myself. But as you said, yeah, they're not a new band. This isn't new for them. They have years of catalog that you can go through and point to and be like, that's better. That's better. That's better. Yeah. It's very easy to say that they're in a career rut and that they have been for a while. But there are exceptions that prove that that's not necessarily all the way, all, all time true. Like back in 2014, when they put out Everything Will Be All Right in the End. That was a record I enjoyed because it sounded like they were revitalized. They were working with Rick Ocasek again, like, and they sounded like they used to. They have the ability to write songs like that, but for whatever reason, the modern Weezer is not interested in that. Rivers just decided at some point that he's like, yeah, that took effort more than we want to take. And people like our Africa cover. <laughs> so, so this is the band we are now. We are the the millennial, well, the millennial, hey, remember, like, hey, millennials, remember Weezer band. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's not for me. And it's probably not for a lot of people who have been begging for there to be a good Weezer record again. And yeah, I guess it's not for us. And yeah, it doesn't have to be for us. Um, no. But then again, it is crossing in that who is this really for yeah. them? Because then you one? ask, yes, but if it's supposed to be, evoking all these images of 80s hair metal then are the zoomers gonna care they don't know what van weezer is a reference to they don't know they don't understand that joke they don't understand half the lyrics that river says because they're gen x ass references to shit <laughs> so who is this for uh. i don't know i don't know i'm as always, I am baffled by Weezer. <laughs> but hey, at least you listened to new albums this week. Sure, yes. At <laughs> least. At I regret least. it. For sure. Anyway. Anyways. Uh, yeah, Ben Weezer. Pass? Yeah. It's a pass for me, but um, if you like Weezer, give it a try, I guess. Right. But and the Marfa, the Marfa tapes, tapes are uh, mildly yes. may vary. A yes for me, but know what it is going in. I think it's a really good collection of country songs. Anyway. Anyways, move uh, on. let's move on and round out our topics here with video games. We start yes. video games with new releases. What do we got this week? 
we have Subnautica colon below zero for the PS4, Xbox One, PS5, Xbox Series X, Switch, and PC. If you own it, you can buy it. Yes. Well, you got a Vita. I mean, <laughs> why would you stop a Vita? It's <laughs> a good question. Uh, we also have Mass Effect colon Legendary Edition for yes. the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. The name does not explain this, but this is the collection, the remastered collection of all three of the original Mass Effect games. So that's Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, re-up, like redone, uh, remastered for the uh, not current gen, but the last gen systems and for PC. So yeah, if you never got a chance to play Mass Effect, here's your chance. Right, but also, why is it for the last gen, not the next gen? My understanding is that next gen versions are coming, but they're going to be released later this year. That's at least my understanding. This was a project that had begun, I guess, in earnest in the last generation, and so these are last generation games. Mm. Uh, But anyways, this is uh, for anyone who hasn't played one, two, or three. Yeah, no Andromeda in this game. Yeah, no Andromeda. You can get Andromeda other other places. But yeah, I recommend Mass Effect, the Mass Effect series for people who haven't played it. Mass Effect 2 especially is a classic. Um, yeah, I bet they hold up in a lot of ways. Maybe not in other ways, but I enjoyed them back in the day. I actually just found my Steelbook uh, copy of Mass Effect 1 going through some of my games yesterday. Wow. As well as your copy of uh, a couple games. Your copy of the 3DS Kingdom Hearts game. And your copy of a Madden for Xbox One. Those must be the boxes because I have the yeah. cartridges. Oh well, well maybe just the box then. <laughs> anyway, yeah, because I recently found it in my 3DS case. There you go. But anyway, uh, along with my Nintendo 3DS and PlayStation Vita. Oh, well, speaking of Vita, you're the guy who still has the Vita. Yes, I am. Turns out, what else is new this week? Uh, we also have Days Gone for the PC. That was a PS4 game, now available on the PC. Yep. Um, it was recently free to purchase from PlayStation uh, Store right. if you had PlayStation Plus. But if you missed out, it's on the PC new. So prepare for mods galore. <laughs> yes. And lastly, we have Famicom Detective Club, colon, The Missing Air. And Famicom Detective Club, colon, The Girl Who Stands Behind, both in a bundle for the Switch. Yes, they're not in a bundle, I should say that. I only said slash there because it was more it was more efficient than having them separate. They are separate downloads, separate items on the store. Um, but yes, they are both available on the same day. Okay. Uh, is this related to Famicom of Famicom fame? So Famicom Detective Club, those are, these are games that were originally released for the Japanese Famicom, which is what the Japanese call the NES. Um, these are the first time they're ever coming out in the US. They're translated for the first time with English translation. We never got them before this. And my understanding is that they didn't do a whole lot of work. So if you want a, a detective game that plays like a detective game would have on the NES on your Switch, well, here you go. Um, so yeah, this is probably a pretty niche product that not everybody is going to find a whole lot with, but hey, if you're in that niche, hey, it's available for the first time for you. 
hey, if you want to feel what an NES game played like, <laughs> I mean, you can get Nintendo online and get the NES collection. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. These are not on those, though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, let's get into some video game news then, shall we? Yes. And first up, we have Sega finally, finally revealing Lost Judgment. Well, not that lost, I guess, but <laughs> Lost Judgment, which is their sequel to the 2019 Yakuza spinoff and recent remaster, Judgment. This is Lost Judgment. Yes. In this brand new title, protagonist Yagami leaves the lights and bustle of Kamurocho to visit Ijicho. Where Kazuka, or mm-hmm. where the Yakuza, colon, yes. Like a Dragon, game took place. Because the RGG studio is nothing, if not efficient, about reusing assets. <laughs> More importantly, Lost Judgment will ship simultaneously around the world on September 24th for the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and us. As assumed, Lost Judgment keeps the action brawler style that the first game had and every Yakuza title until Like a Dragon also shared. In the latter game, protagonist Ichiban was obsessed with Dragon Quest and viewed the world as a turn-based battle system, which manifested the game's combat. In an interview with IGN series producer Toshiro Nagoshi confirmed that the genre schism between the two series will be codified as intentional now, with Judgment Games getting the action brawler style and Yakuza remaining a turn-based RPG. So yeah, if you don't know the history of this franchise is here, Yakuza used to be a brawler um, until the most recent one, which has been which been transformed into an RPG. So they're using the, this, this opportunity to be like, actually, we liked that so much, we're going to continue the Yakuza series that way and let Judgment be our brawler series. Makes sense. Uh, but they all, but they exist in basically the same universe. Right. I mean, it's trying different gameplay, different mechanics and seeing what works and hey, they like working with one more than the other. Yeah. But the fans might not essentially like the Switch. So if you miss the brawler, you can still get your brawler action yeah. here. So yeah, Judgment was a pretty big hit when it came out. Um, also, if you're interested at all getting into the world of Judgment and Yakuza, and if you're a Game Pass subscriber, I've got good news. Pretty much all of the Yakuza games, except for the most recent, are on Game Pass, whether you have console or PC. So. Go for it. If you're an Xbox owner and you have Game Pass, uh, it's apparently a very long storied series with all sorts of fun stuff. So uh, I have yet to dip my toe in any of it. But for what I understand, these games are pretty cool. So go for it. Not a Yakuza fan, but Yakuza is a really big series. People love them. Speaking of big Japanese series, this one's RPGs, just for you. This, one's this one is just up for you. My alley. Well, but it's unfortunate news for you. It kind of is because <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake: Colon Integrate will be a 
PS5 exclusive for six months. <laughs> for at least six months. At least six months. Timed exclusive. The disclaimer comes at the end of the final trailer for Integrate, which just sort of outright starts with major spoilers from <laughs> last year's Final Fantasy VII Remake release. So be aware of if that you haven't played it or are waiting for this version. Yeah, be aware spo- that it will have spoilers is basically yes. what we're saying here just before you watch the trailer. Right. A significant portion of the trailer is dedicated to actual integrated content, which is an added chapter for the PS5 update. It focus pri- focuses primarily on Yuffie and new character Sonon, two Wutai soldiers that are infiltrating Midgar for unknown reasons, <laughs> and apparently connects directly to the next game in the Final Fantasy VII Remake series. So, you are about to finish uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake? Is that more or less correct? More or less correct, yes. Um, I'm clearly in the end game mm-hmm. portion of it. Uh, at least it feels like the end game portion of it. Yeah. Because uh, so, I forget where the actual cutoff is. Like I know what the sequence is for the cutoff. I just mm-hmm. forget if there was something after it. Yeah. Like where I'm at between that and the cutoff, but so is this disappointing like to you that you're not going to be able to jump right into re- integrate like you thought you would be on PS4? No, see, because I originally was going to skip this until all three yeah. chapters were available yeah. and played all in once. But your hand but got forced when it was like free. Free. Yeah. <laughs> it did seem like a waste to not play it since it was for free. And I was gonna play. It was on my playlist, anyways, of eventual mm-hmm. games to play. So it didn't feel like a whole lot of a waste, especially since, thanks to PlayStation Plus, it was yeah. free. Yeah, that's true. Also, so you you don't mind waiting. <laughs> so yeah, you don't mind waiting until Integrate makes its way to no. the previous generation. No. Plus, okay. I mean, I am looking into possibly purchasing a PS5 somehow for Ratchet and Clank coming out next year. Next somehow, month? yes, somehow. <laughs> somehow. Be the keyword. There was a hey, there was another direct uh, queue today. You probably missed it. Yep, I, I missed it because we were podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was earlier than that. They usually do them around the afternoon, like one-ish. But yeah, it's tough out there. Let me tell you, I got really lucky. So. Yes. Uh, that is not in the news, but I guess we can talk about it, that there will continue to be a PS5 yes. shortage well into, for the rest of the year, into 2022. It sure sounds like it's going to be hard to get your hands on those. Um, also, kind of in a related story, Microsoft has introduced a similar system for their Xbox Insider program. If you're already a member of the Insider program on Xbox One, which I am, um, you may be able to go to a certain place in your dashboard. I forget exactly how to get there. I think it's the Insider Hub. Um, And opt into something that Microsoft will be in the future using as a queue-like system for Series X and Series S. So they're also kind of dipping their toes into using a a queue for uh, distribution of their consoles. So if you don't have next gen yet, stay vigilant. There's still opportunities for you. And yeah, it's not going to look 
too good the coming year. It's going to be hard, but there's going to be opportunities out there. So just keep your eyes peeled. I don't remember this much of a, I don't say panic buy, but a rush no. to get the next generation console for the PS4 no. and Xbox One. No, this is a completely different situation. This is the weirdest it's ever been because of the shortage of the chips that they need. Without those chips, they just can't manufacture them fast enough for demand. That was basically what Sony was saying in that article, was that even if they could, they would still sell out because, like, it increased what they already have now. It would still sell out just because the demand is so high, they cannot keep up. And it's going to be that way because they cannot spin up more factories fast enough. And that's what I'm saying. Like, the demand is yeah. sky high. Like, I've had, like, the PS4 and as Xbox One demand wasn't this high where it was just selling out everywhere. It's a perfect storm when you think about it. it. No, 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 you're right. It's a perfect storm when you think about it. It's because what do people want to do when they're trapped at home? They want to play video games. Oh, the new video game system is hard to find? (laughs) It's like those two do not agree with each other, right? So yeah, demand is going up while supply isn't, isn't going up high enough. So, yeah, it's just unfortunate timing. In an alternate universe where these things came out in 2019, man, would this be different, right? Like, everybody would have gotten theirs. But, oh, well. I'm sitting here playing my old-ass PS4. (laughs) (laughs) My uh, my PS4 Pro has just been in a box now behind (laughs) me. It's chilling. It's doing nothing. I don't know what to do with it. So, figure it out. I know someone who could use it. (laughs) The disk drive doesn't work, so maybe let them know ahead of time. Okay. (laughs) But if you do know of somebody who would like my uh, pro that doesn't read disks correctly, let me know. I could maybe uh, negotiate with that person. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, well, you have negotiated well over an hour and a half of your time with us. Yes. Thank you for joining us. This week, we should begin the plugs and wrap this thing up, why don't we? Uh, yeah, uh, well, real quick, still playing uh, Pokemon Snap in video oh, yeah. games. Yeah. Still streaming uh, uh, Final Fantasy VII close to the end there. That'll be wrapping up very shortly, in which okay. case I will then proceed with New Game Plus for nice. Alloy, Aloy, Aloy, and Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes. So look forward to that. I was also going to talk to you after the podcast about possibly figuring out a way that we can both stream together. Possibly. Perhaps there's a way this could happen. So yeah, we'll have that discussion. But uh, yeah, so that I think that'd be a fun way to do the streams um, going forward. So yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out for y'all. But in the meantime, let's do the plugs. Thank you for joining us this week on the Media Boat Podcast. We'll be back next week for another episode for you. If you want to know where to see it, if you want to see our faces, you can go to YouTube, go to our YouTube channel, Media Boat Podcast. Just put that into the search bar. You'll find us. Like, subscribe, comment, notify yourself with the little bell, whatever you would like to do. We're uploaded every Wednesday night. If you want the traditional audio version of the podcast, you can also get those on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of those and more. Just enter Media Boat Podcast and you find us. 
You can also find us on the interwebs on the website that we own, mediavotepodcast.com, where we are updating with new episodes of the podcast every week. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, our handle is at MediaVoteCast. On Facebook, search MediaVotePodcast to find our page. And if you have any questions, comments, anything you want to have your question featured on the show, anything like that, you can email us at MediaVotePodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. See you then. Back next week for more thoughts, more news, more fun. This is fun. <laughs> Something like that. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you.